smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello and welcome to mint i am nasreen sultana you are listening to all things markets where i speak to experts analyzing the big trends moving the stock markets what if i tell you Shell companies with no commercial operations are formed to raise capital through an IPO for acquiring an existing company. What if I also tell you that even retail investors can invest in this blank check companies? Well, I'm talking about special purpose acquisition company shortly called as SPAC. SPACs have been around in the US for a very long time. but spag deals in india are still at a nascent stage becoming popular recently mostly due to abundant dry powder post covid-19 however it does sound risky isn't it the complexity of spag deals has challenges to understand more about this blank check companies and regulatory framework around it i'm joined by vikas bagaria partner Deloitte India. Hi Vikas, welcome to the show. Hey Nasreen, thank you for having me uh, on this podcast of yours. Looking forward to our conversation. Sure. What is basically SPAC? What does it mean for investors? Sure. Uh, so let's just start with what exactly is SPAC, right? It's it's a it's a fancy jazzy name, right? We keep hearing it uh, very often and more often uh, in in the current yes. context of all these things, but it stands for what what we typically call as a special purpose acquisition company right so that's how spac is named as and as you rightly said it's kind of gained a lot more popularity uh in the recent uh, last one year or so and and for for the rightful reason uh given the fact that there is a good amount of liquidity in the market and there is an urgency of of going public and and uh the new age companies looking for all capital uh, raising options and this is one of the best possible options available uh, from a fundraising perspective right so new age companies who are uh, into into heavily into the platform and technology space are always in lookout for significant uh, uh, growth funding and spac as a model has always uh, stood out uh, for its long term investment base and hence uh, as a product it has been quite uh, popular uh, as you may know spac is not something which is new as a model it's been there for decades uh, but the credibility of the spac uh, some somewhere uh, if you if you reflect way back in 2009 and 10 kind of dry down uh, but then uh, given the good amount of hedge funds and other private equity players acting as a sponsors Uh, this has suddenly become more credible product in the us and spac uh, while from an indian context is is uh, still to be tried and tested we of course had one spac uh, uh, and a, and a company which went to a spac in the recent uh, months from an indian market but it's not as as voluminous and as prominent as you would have seen in the us market 
Right. But uh, if you could just explain us a little thoroughly about what's, what SPAC is. So a company uh, invests into a special vehicle and then how does an investor actually benefit uh, from that? And how is the listing process? And uh, how does a SPAC actually uh, find a target company? And what is the time limit for that? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you take a step back, uh, SPACs are typically what we commonly hear them as a blank check company. And why why are they called as a blank check company? It's essentially because they don't have an operating business model as yet, right? So you just have a sponsors who have a pedigree of, of, of having done a successful uh, deals in the past, and they go to the market uh, with their credibility and get an IPO done. So a SPAC, a blank check company, just gets an IPO done and gets listed in, in a stock exchange with absolutely no operating company, with no operating business model as yet, right? And one would ask as to why would somebody invest in a company which is in, in a world yes. like a shell company? Uh, why would you invest in a shell company? And and more and the more so the reason for investing is, as I, as I said, it's more to do with the credibility of the sponsors and hedge funds and a lot of uh, governance being put up in a SPAC process, which means the SPAC generally has a lifespan of just about 24 to 36 months uh, to kind of consummate a transaction, right? So what the SPAC mm. does is it just raises the money from the market and puts it into an escrow account. So like investors like you and me are protected that the money is lying in escrow account. And unless the SPAC finds a target operating company, the money essentially cannot be used elsewhere, right? And the mm. SPAC then starts looking out for a target operating company or the target operating operating company then starts looking out for SPAC both ways uh, to see how uh, this whole process of merger can take place. So a company which starts off as a blank check company, eventually through the whole IP, through the whole acquisition process, then mm. converts itself to an operating company post uh, uh, its listing. listing. So what, yeah. So that's generally been the broad framework of a SPAC uh, from an understanding standpoint. Mm. Right? Now, what happens uh, if uh, a SPAC is not able to identify a target company and even if it uh, identifies the merge or the acquisition does not happen within the time frame? Yeah, so as a concept, if you reflect on SPAC, it's a limited life uh, vehicle right so which essentially means uh, the law each of the spac framework defines its uh, defines its tenure in the us typically the range is about 24 to 36 months which means the spac essentially needs to make sure the acquisition is completed by that time frame and in case if the acquisition doesn't happen depending upon the incorporation document the spac can take a renewal right which means if for example if the 24 months period expires and a SPAC is unable to identify a target, it can go back to its shareholders and then take a renewal for another period. And within that period, if the transaction doesn't get consummated or if the acquisition doesn't get consummated, then pretty much the shareholders will have to be redeemed, which means the proceeds which are lying in the escrow account would then have to be returned back to the shareholders and the SPAC eventually goes to a natural death. So that's okay. generally in the... Would, would there be an interest on the amount that was invested initially by the investors? Yeah, so generally the amount is in the, in the escrow account, right? So you obviously have an interest coming in in the escrow account. Mm. And the redemption happens basis the value at which the fund essentially got 
raised at the initial stages and some administrative cost would be there in, in running this SPAC. Uh, because as, as, as you know, the SPAC is already listed. That means the trading of shares are mm. still happening. And the SPAC continues to file uh, all the uh, reporting requirement with the stock exchanges and with the regulators. So there are administrative costs and other uh, requirements of the SPAC sponsors to meet those expenses. So generally, this is how the, the model typically works. Mm. Right? So if the transaction doesn't get consummated, uh, pretty much the investors uh, doesn't get much value addition in the whole process. But if you go back and reflect, uh, most of the SPACs do go through the acquisition mode and it, the transaction generally gets consummated. So it's very far and few to find mm. SPAC not having done a transaction and, and redeemed the whole thing out. Right. Quite an interesting product and also complex uh, for a retail investor because I believe even a retail investor can uh, invest into SPAC and get a part of the listing process uh, and uh, get a share in the uh, company which is listed. Uh, now, because it, one is the SPAC is investing into a shell company, it's also called a blank, blank check company, looks very risky. So what are the regulatory frameworks in India vis-a-vis -vis the global counterparts? See, India, as we speak, uh, do not have a regulatory framework on SPAC as yet. While SEBI has constituted a committee which is looking for a SPAC framework, uh, as you may have tracked the news, the Singapore recently announced a SPAC framework as well. Uh, so in addition to the U.S., which is a much more matured SPAC framework, you have SPAC framework for Hong Kong, for Singapore, for Australia. And India, uh, we know the intent that the SEBI is looking for finding some framework or putting some framework together. Uh, but as we speak, we don't have a SPAC framework in India. Now, having said that, while of course the intent of uh, the regulations have been to allow Indian companies to list overseas, and if you go back and, and see in 2000, uh, uh, 2019 or 2020, rather, uh, there was an amendment that was made uh, in Section 23 of the Companies Act, uh, which kind of added uh, uh, enabling provisions for, for the Indian companies to list overseas in some of the uh, specified jurisdictions. Uh, post that, we haven't seen the fine print of the regulations as yet. Uh, what we hear is is uh, maybe in the coming budget there could be something uh, that will have more guidance around it. Uh, but as we speak, the Indian overs the Indian companies listing overseas uh, is not uh, uh, which is currently available, right? Now, if we break the discussions into a few more parts, uh, what are the options available for the Indian companies if they were to explore for a SPAC market, right? There are multiple uh, patterns to it. If you look at majority of the new age companies or unicorns are heavily funded by foreign investors or private equity investors, right? And almost 70, 80% of the investments have happened through the foreign investor base. Those cases, probably the challenges could be a little less complex because a share swap can still happen outside India, which means uh, either uh, there is always an externalization that has already happened and a merger through a SPAC process uh, is less challenging versus a company which is majority owned by the Indian residents, right? In those cases, the complexities could be much more because you have round-tripping issues from the uh, Reserve Bank of India regulations, which do not automatically provide a share swap uh, for Indian shareholders. 
uh, intending to merge with the SPAC, which is an overseas SPAC or a US SPAC, right? Now, in those cases, one, of course, is the round-tripping and RBI issues. The second is, of course, the tax issues, whether you have a treaty benefits available and what could be the tax consequences in the hands of the shareholders. As we know, the, the, uh, the tax gains are fairly uh, significant when it comes to the Indian residents versus the foreign uh, shareholders, right? So those are the tax consequences, uh, which also triggers a lot of valuation issues and, and other complexities. So as we speak, uh, uh, while a new age companies which have 70-80% of the shareholders uh, which are overseas, either through a, uh, a special purpose legal entity or, uh, or direct investment in the Indian companies through a foreign uh, 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 shareholding, in those cases, probably the, the options are much more uh, achievable mm -hmm. or executable as compared to the Indian companies which are majority owned by the Indian shareholders. Why uh, hasn't the SPAC market uh, grown so much in India? Uh, because uh, there was an opportunity uh, in the last few years. Uh, instead, we had an IBC uh, and they were listing, delisting of companies, uh, completely delisted com companies were completely delisted after the acquisition in the IBC resolution process. Uh, so why was uh, why has Indian market not uh, become matured or woken up to this back opportunity yeah so if you just break the discussions into two parts one the availability of liquidity within the indian market right now if you have tracked the recent ipos in the indian market itself is fairly encouraging right and uh, when a need for capital arises uh, every uh, company's board and the cfos would look for uh, what are the options and choices available, right? And if uh, the Indian market provides that choice and an option, uh, then the SPAC, in, in a sense, uh, uh, doesn't take the level of importance that it would have taken, right? So that's one uh, element of uh, understanding that one needs to have. The second is, of course, SPAC uh, provides a very long-term investor base. Right, and it, it brings more eminence and, and competitiveness in the in the global market, and so it has more qualitative aspects as well to it. Which means if a company listed in the U.S. market obviously has a more global presence and global footprints, and uh, gets the level of talent and other uh, benefits associated with its overseas listing. So there are pros and cons. One would weigh uh, one against the other, and and of course, U.S. being a highly regulatory environment. Uh, with the SEC and, and other uh, regulatory compliances, which makes the whole process a lot more onerous. So one weighs uh, what are the cost and benefit of being listed uh, overseas versus being listed in India. And if you get the same valuations uh, and the same level of uh, uh, process of getting listed uh, easier, then uh, companies generally tend to uh, get themselves listed in India rather than going through an overseas uh, or a US IPO process, right? Mm. The second part of the whole thing is uh, while uh, why SPAC has not been so very uh, prominent from an Indian market, as I said, uh, the regulatory challenges are quite uh, quite a lot uh, given the RBI round tripping and uh, the tax issues and the structuring issues. Uh, the whole purpose of going through a SPAC is the speed of listing, right? The SPAC typically makes the whole mm -hmm. price discovery much early in the process than a traditional IPO. 
uh, which means you already have a SPAC sponsor who has gone through the due diligence process of the target operating company, has done the valuations, and have come up to a pricing, uh, which is known to the target operating company and the SPAC sponsor much early in the process. And then they go for a roadshow uh, post that, which means the certainty of the pricing is much more for a SPAC model. Uh, unlike a traditional IPO process where a price discovery happens only uh, after the document has been create, uh, cleared by the regulators, right? And you can't typically do a roadshows uh, and do a price discovery unless you have crossed uh, all the requirements. Mm. Uh, so from that perspective, of course, SPAC does provide a lot of uh, speed to listing. But when you have a significant regulatory challenges, uh, the expected benefit of getting a faster pace to listing kind of loses its uh, merit because then you typically land up going through the whole host of uh, structuring issues and compliances issues. Now, my question is, uh, if at all the liquidity dries up in the equity markets, uh, will, the, will the options and opportunity for SPAC still be there? And uh, do you have any uh, do you do you, do you have any target in mind uh, for five to ten years? How how much or how long how big you think the SPAC market would be in India? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the SPAC is as you rightly said, uh, Nasreen, SPAC is a complex product, right? It, it is it is complex and it needs sophisticated uh, institutional investors dealing with it, uh, and it comes with its own. Uh, uh, pros and cons. Uh, if you take a learning from the US market and other overseas market, the SPAC have shown a lot of volatility, right? The, the SPAC markets have shown volatility post-merger, the share prices have declined, and hence uh, the investors have to be much more caution in terms of exercising uh, whether the SPAC listing is, is a good listing or whether it provides the right level of stability and so on. If a product is well defined, which means the sponsor's credibility is well defined, and if the framework kind of incorporates that who can be a SPAC sponsor, right, and, and clearly lays down the guidance uh, on eligibility on who can be the SPAC sponsor, and also puts down a clear guidelines in terms of how the conflict of interest can be addressed, the independence issues can be addressed, because SPAC sponsors generally gain whether the company performs. Uh, well post-listing or doesn't perform at all, the SPAC sponsors are always benefited out of it, right? Because they are the ultimately uh, going to exit, uh, exit the company post-de-SPAC at a price which would always be beneficial because uh, even if they may have invested in the initial stages, they may have got 20% stake in the company with only about 6 to 7% of uh, 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 proceeds being put in on the table uh, from an uh, investment perspective. So SPAC sponsors, conflicts and independence has to be well defined in the framework. Uh, also post DSPAC, uh, some guidelines needs to be there in terms of what should be the lock-in for the SPAC sponsors. Should they be allowed uh, to kind of exit immediately post DSPAC and post IPO or should they be kind of... Uh, like we have typically for a, for a traditional IPO. Correct. So there are debates about it, but there are... Uh, if one were to, were to kind of make the product more uh, 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 attractive and bring more investor confidence, uh, some of these measures and, and guidelines in the SPAC framework helps to uh, provide the sponsors being logged in for uh, for a period of time post the SPAC and also a string 
stringent review of uh, all the KPIs that uh, the company includes as part of its filing process and uh, including various scenarios uh, so that the retail investors are much more informed about uh, the valuation analysis, right? So if it's a good scenario one, uh, what would the company's valuation look like? If there are other scenarios where if things go really wrong, then how the valuations will look like. So the investors are much better prepared to kind of uh, look at the deal, uh, keeping the various scenario analysis as part of its investment. So to bring the market uh, confidence into this product, a lot of these guidelines helps. Uh, and even if uh, the market, whether it's liquid or illiquid, if the product has that level of investor confidence, uh, then irrespective of liquidity and so on, uh, the, the new age companies will still have an opportunity to explore the SPAC market uh, along with the uh, private institutional investors, the pipe money which we spoke about, right? So even if the retail investor liquidity market uh, doesn't exist for a longer period of time, uh, the institutional investors will always be there. So as a, as a, as a product, it does provide that level of uh, correlation to the, to the new age companies to assess capital. Uh, okay. To the SPAC sponsor and and the pipe investor. So, as from my in my view, I think is a product is a good product. Uh, provides a long term invest investment base, uh, but so long as it has the right guidelines and and protective measures, uh, it it brings the investor confidence in in being associated with the SPAC and the target operating companies for a longer period of time. All right, uh, Vikas, uh, thanks a lot for those insights. Uh, really interesting conversation about a very, very complex uh, product available for the retail investors, especially in India. Uh, thank you so much once again for uh, giving us your time and we wish you good health. Thank you. Thank you, Nasin. Our pleasure was all mine. For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nasreen Story. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.